Welcome back into Sports Radio 810's Chiefs Draft Special. My name is Joshua Briscoe, hosting with you for the evening. Rudy Salazar is tip-tap typing away at something. What are you typing at, Rudy? Very nerd stuff right here. Um, creating, essentially, a Google spreadsheet with uh, draft results. So, like, picks one, blah, 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 for future reference. <laughs> Beers McFly is berating Rudy for being a nerd, and uh, I, I, was, I also like to do like a shadow draft where you draft for the team in place, and you build your own team like by doing the draft. You you make the pick instead, like who you would pick instead of who the team picks. But you like you pick your team, so I'm Chief, so I pick where the Chiefs pick. Nerd in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Doesn't the Draft Network have this for you? It's just I like having it just like all there in like, a spreadsheet. Just where it's it's just like all in my just like one little like file. Beards. Nerd. We are now joined by Seth Kaiser of the Athletic Talk on Twitter at Real MN Chiefs fan. He's the he's the farthest thing from a nerd. Seth's everything on this planet other than a nerd. Seth's a masterful human being. Uh, and in the interest of full transparency here. I had to talk to Seth earlier today. It was back pre Tyreek Hill even like um, announcement uh, of an upcoming press conference. In fact, that tweet actually came out while we were talking. He was between hearings because he's all—he's not only a lawyer and a Chiefs film analyst for the Athletic and a pastor and the father of a bajillion kids. So he's got lots of stuff to do. So we had to make it work for his schedule today. So we had nothing on Tyreek Hill. Later on, you may hear us mention that um, there are questions about Tyreek Hill. And that was true at about 1230 today. It's also true at 8 o'clock tonight. Um, But I started by asking Seth uh, if he would like to go ahead and absolutely jump from the top rope, throw a flying elbow at all these nerds around the universe that think that the Chiefs need to keep their draft picks in salary cap space because Seth Kaiser... This man wants damn football players. Um, well, you know, as much as people seem to love cap space that is unused, if anyone can point out to me the last time that unused cap space won a football game, I would sure love to see that. You oh, know who had top a lot of rope! Oh, top rope! <laughs> you, you know who had a lot of cap space last season? Who? A lot of bad teams. Oh! Oh, it's over! And so... Oh, and so cap, cap space is wonderful, but cap space is only wonderful in as much as it represents something. Yes. You know what that represents? Good players. Great players. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have an opportunity to land a great player, you land a great player. That, that's very simple. The people always say they value cap space because it represents – they represent the ability to get great players. But because they love cap space so much, they've skipped the last step. They, they, they love – they don't love what it represents. They love it. They love having stuff. You know, everyone likes having a, their emergency fund and their oh, – I'm sorry. I forget sometimes your age. An emergency <laughs> fund is when you have extra money put away. What? To where in, in case something happens, you don't have to ask your parents or friends for money. What's extra money? <laughs> That's when you work – okay, you know what? Let me back up a second here. Yeah, sorry. I'm really confused. So work – is a no okay i'm sorry anyway <laughs> people love this idea people love this idea of having extra money laying around in case they oh but who knows what you know it, it's kind of there's a great scene for this in in family guy okay. where where peter peter and lois they win a boat and they love the idea of having a boat. And so then they go into the office to claim the boat. And then the, the salesman guy, whatever, he's like, oh, you could have the mystery box. 
And mm-hmm. Lois goes, Peter, you've always wanted a boat. He goes, whoa, 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 hold on, Lois. You know, a boat is a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. You know how much we wanted one of those? Right. And that is exactly what people do with the cap. Cap space is important, but only in as much as you spend it on the right people. Okay, so there are like 15 different branches of the Frank Clark discussion that I, I want to get to. I want to yes. start maybe a place that I've heard the least amount of discussion about, but something you and I have talked about a lot is the idea mm-hmm. that maybe the Chiefs were trying to do the thing that the Patriots have done, which is not invest that much in the pass rush, invest really heavily in the secondary. A couple of days ago, a couple there were some charts that came out showing correlations between winning and position grades, and uh, the, the, the secondary was hugely influ- influential, especially corners. The pass rush wasn't very. It was really interesting. It was a good, interesting charts and, and nice use of data. Um, but they're now they send their first-round pick and a second next year, obviously, for Frank Clark. Give him this Demarcus yep. Lawrence-sized contract purely yep. within the uh, philosophical nature of trading for a top-level pass rusher and giving him huge money. How did that make you feel? I think I was ready to go on board with the idea that they were going to try the Patriots model, but you know what? We all should have known better. They are going with the Steve Spagnuolo model, mm. which, by the way, won two Super Bowls. Right. And so, and so here's the deal. Do I think Steve Spagnuolo is, uh, is, is this godsend of a, of a defensive coordinator? No, I don't. Do I think that he built a pair of defenses that carried a team to a Super Bowl? With Eli Manning at quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Did those teams on their way to doing so beat up the team that stands in the way of the Chiefs? Why, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. And so the, this, the, this idea that they were going to go one way or another, I think part of the reason that fans are ambivalent is because they've spent the last two months convincing themselves, well, I don't even care about pass rush. And now they've got a whole new set of cognitive dissonance to, to deal with. And they're upset because they, they've convinced themselves pass rush doesn't matter. Well, clearly it does. The best defenses Steve Spagnuolo ever had, and they were elite defenses, featured multiple very, very good, very, very powerful pass rushers. You know what the Chiefs now have? Multiple very, very good, very, very powerful pass rushers. They still, though, are doing it, and, and Spagnuolo did this for a while, but the way we saw it, it unfold last year with the, with the Chiefs uh, and, and going up against the Patriots specifically, Tom Brady was getting rid of the ball before edge rushers ever got there. I was sort of getting warm to the idea of giving Chris Jones a bunch of money and then going with mm-hmm. like with with Tillery in the first round or whatever, you know, and trying to like like mm-hmm. super super turbocharge your interior pass rush. That's mm-hmm. you know I, I wasn't ready to totally throw pass rush away altogether, but the edge rushers and the way that that affects a quarterback in 2019, I think, is a reasonable conversation to have. It's at least worth thinking about for sure. You know, have have coaches figured out how to remove edge rushers from the equation? I'll say there's two parts to this. Both of those relate to the defensive coordinator. Okay, mm-hmm. so the first part is 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 when you are running a very um, vanilla pass rush in terms of, hey, you're good, beat the guy in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for teams to game plan for that because they know that they're not going to be running. You know, you can say, hey, we're going to have both of our tight ends chip or we're going to have a tight end and a running back both chip on either side. And that'll do it because we know they're edge rushers. You know what they're going to do? They're going to rush the edge, and that's all they're going to do. Right. They're not going to perform any stunts or twists. That's all they're going to do. Right. So it's easy to prepare for. You're right. That made the Chiefs' very good pass rush, very talented pass rush, a little bit predisposed to losing to a, a game plan filled with 
chipping players. If you've got an edge rusher who's stunting inside and then an interior lineman whose only job is to crash outside and bring everyone with him, mm-hmm. those chipping players accomplish nothing other than running into that defensive lineman who doesn't mind that he ran into them because he's just paving the way for a stunting edge rusher. Yeah. And so that's one reason why that was peculiarly – wow, I pronounced that correctly. That's it. why they were oddly – we're going to go with a word I can pronounce – vulnerable yeah. to what Belichick did there. The second part is when you, when you have a secondary that is running coverages that are wildly predictable, like, you know – just straight man coverage or very, very vanilla coverage. That, that wouldn't that happen in the modern NFL. No one would do that uh, and stay no, employed. No, no, one, no one would do that, particularly on crucial snaps in the third, fourth quarter and overtime, never, you know, never. when the Super Bowl is on the line. Right. Um, that also makes it a little bit easier to just fire the ball because you know exactly where you need to go with the ball. And when you know what rush lanes pass rushers are going through, you know where you can throw the ball. You don't, you're not going to have anyone suddenly pop in your face that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And so those things, the I think, and, and again, I'm just trying to figure out why they would do it. I'm not saying I 100% agree with this reasoning. I think the reason they would do this is because what they see in terms of the whole completely nixing the value of the pass rush, they see that as schematic. And one reason that that might be reasonable is, reasonable is because it's not like the Patriots offense was able to dominate a good pass rush in the Rams who happen to have a much better scheming defensive coach. Right. And so and so I don't think that what happened against the Patriots was demonstrative the pass rush doesn't matter. I think it was demonstrative of the fact that just lining up your players and saying, hey, you're better in the NFL that doesn't work against great coaches and well coached teams. I buy that. Yeah. I, I have no problem with that. And specifically now to the to the extent of Frank Clark, one thing I saw in a breakdown that Brian Baldinger had done, where he was showing some of the stunting that he did in Seattle. Um, and one thing that, that showed up to me, and I say this showed up to me not because I picked this out and I'm a genius, but because I don't watch tape for a living. That's not my that's not my first go to. And I was watching Frank Clark and seeing this dude has, like, you talk about in baseball, a guy having, like, four or five pitches. Frank Clark has, yes. like, four or five pitches. And that was that was obvious yes. to me and, like, four or five clips. So d- did that jump mm-hmm. out to you also? The, the extensive film review, by the way, of course, now is up at theathletic.com. Seth's film review of Frank Clark. Go look at it as we also talk about it. But is that is that a fair assessment of his versatility it as a pass rusher? It is a fair assessment, and that's something, that's why you have to, you know, it's great to look at traits, but the best thing you can do for any player, you have to watch many, as many snaps as possible to see what they do consistently across situations, right? Knowing that someone can execute a good bull rush doesn't really tell you much because almost every good, almost every player who makes the NFL can execute a good bull rush every now and then. Right. Just like, you know, every quarterback in the NFL can occasionally make an amazing throw. Mm -hmm. So it's all about what they do with consistency over time. And what Frank Clark does repeatedly is that he has, like you said, he's got a lot of tools in the tool belt. He, he's got a good jump at the line. He's got a good get off. He can, he can beat you with speed around the edge. He doesn't have incredible bend, but it's functional enough when combined with his strength and hand fighting that he can beat you with speed. Even great tackles. That's one of the clips that's in there is him running right around Andrew Whitworth, who completely dominated D Ford, by the way, Mm -hmm. dominated him. Mm -hmm. And you, you, he just beats him with pure speed because he's got a great jump at the, at the edge. He's got a great rip move, excellent bull rush. His favorite move is a long arm. You know, you use the inside arm to, to basically bull rush someone backward. 
He's great at that. He executes push-pull moves very well. He's got a spin move that he loves to use. Um, and he, he also will occasionally, not as often as I'd like, will execute double and single-handed slaps. There's a lot of moves in his repertoire. And what's great about them is he is learning, and you see that last year. He mixes them together effectively. Like he, he goes from a push-pull, or he goes from a long arm into a spin move. Right? right, he combines them effectively, and that's what separates him. You know, I always talk about that pass rush with a plan. I'm going to start off with this long arm. If that doesn't work, I'm going to I'm going to go into a spin. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to spin the other way. Or if that doesn't work, I'm going to you know you always need to have a plan because some of these guys are just too good to beat just with your first move, and that's what separates good pass rushers from great ones. The clip against the Cardinals, again, you can read this at The Athletic and see the clips of The Athletic. The clip against the Cardinals, you're talking about pass rushing with a plan, is absolutely incredible. Like, that was one of the clips that I watched and thought, like, that, like he just hit all of the right buttons in a row in the video game he was playing. But normal human Correct. beings don't do that very often. Right, and normal pass rushers don't either. A lot of good pass rushers, they, they rely on a singular move or a singular trait. Now, Frank Clark does over-rely on, on his long arm, which, in my opinion, if you're going to be great at one move in the NFL, mm-hmm. either a speed rush around the edge or a long arm style of bull rush, those are the two because those get you to the quarterback the most quickly. Most linemen can't deal very well with a, with a well-executed long arm, and, but the ones that can, he would struggle with occasionally. The police are here to pick me up again, by the That's way. That's fine. Um, just ask, just ask them if they'll give you time to finish this interview. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's what uh, what separates Clark is that he's not married to that move. Right. He struggled more. Like Mitch Schwartz gave him more problems than anyone because Schwartz deals with the long-arm rush very well. But even him, he was able to get him a few times by transitioning his moves. And you've got to imagine going up against Schwartz every day in practice is only going to teach him the value of, of mixing up his moves. Frank Clark is an exceptional pass rusher. When The biggest thing that I would say is that consistency. He, I, I reviewed seven games. I only charted six of them because the game against the Cardinals, I actually didn't do the charting because I didn't want to stack the deck in his favor numbers-wise because <laughs> that line is so bad. Right. And he made it um, look that way. I, he did. He did. And he's so consistent. He didn't have a single game I charted where he had fewer than six what I would call impacts or encounters, whatever you want to call them, with the quarterback, whether that's a pressure hit or a sack. And that's very, very good. When you compare that to you know Ford last year who had a couple games that I charted with like one or two. Yeah. Same with Houston. So you have invoked the name of both of the guys now that the Chiefs let go this offseason. And yep. I, I think that to, to make this conversation be about Frank Clark versus D. Ford is intellectually dishonest. I saw I agree. I saw our friend Matt Verderam, you know, he tweeted out that a GM had told him that comparing those two guys was like comparing Joe Flacco and Patrick Mahomes. And I've had people tweet me that as I say that that's not the way to do this. Um, and I we'll, agree. We'll talk to, to Matt about that later tonight, actually. But... I, 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 I want to know what you think about those players juxtaposed to each other while also acknowledging that the price to retain D. Ford, even you know not having to give up a draft asset, his contract is way more team-friendly than any of these other top-tier pass rushers right now, and just the cost of acquisition was very different. So how do you put all yes. of that together? Here's what I would say, you know, so we'll, we'll do this in two parts. The first being we'll talk about Clark on his own as a player, right? Mm-hmm. We'll pretend that the Chiefs, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll completely erase from our memory ever having Ford or Houston, right? Sure. So they're starting from where their roster was at two days ago. Sure. Okay? Frank Clark on his own is certainly worth 
that, that hall. And the reason for that is he's one of the best five defensive ends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack got a bigger haul because Khalil Mack is the best defensive end in the NFL. Right. Clark is a player in a similar vein in that he can do everything and do it extremely well and beat you in a variety of ways and is good every single game against every single opponent. So on his own, he is worth that massive contract, and he is worth trading draft picks for. And you and I have talked about draft picks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's essentially, you know, what would you rather have? Would you rather have, hey, here's this Toyota Camry that uh, has 100,000 miles on it, or here is a ticket that says you have a 25% chance at a Toyota Camry, mm-hmm. a 25% chance at a really nice car and a 50% chance at nothing. Right. Right? Right. There's the valuations there change. So with Clark, they got a sure thing. He's only 25. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, not, he's not hit his peak yet. And so he is, he is what you're hoping to get if you draft a pass rusher in the first round. He is what your wildest hopes are that you get. And so people, people were on board with the Chiefs trading up in the first round for a complete unknown. You know, had they traded up the exact same value mm-hmm. to get, you know, sweat or something like that, or Cleveland people Farrell, would be applauding yeah. it. So but, I, I have but, to but, jump in yeah, on, on Clark that. Clark is proven. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If you're going to tell me, do I want Frank Clark or Cleveland Farrell, who's been mocked to them a bunch, people talked about trading up a few picks to get him and everything, I would take Frank Clark and it wouldn't even, like, that's a non-starter for me. Um, the place where I end up finding myself kind of alone on an island is that I still feel really jumpy about the secondary. Um, but yeah. I think that whenever we're talking about all of the, the juxtapositions of rookie pass rushers, which are unknowns, Clark, Ford, and Houston, that conversation I think is really simple. Mm-hmm. I, it, is, it is a simple conversation. Clark has increase the value, not the value, the the talent level on the defense by a higher level than anything else the Chiefs could have done. He's a more consistent consistent and better pass rusher than Jadavian Clowney, who a lot of people wanted. Mm. Not quite as good a run defender, Mm -hmm. but he's a better pass rusher. He is, I mean, he's a better pass rusher than anyone else the Chiefs could have gone. And that's where, obviously, you know, again, it shouldn't be the focus. But people should not view this if you were basing off 2018 tape. This isn't replacing Houston or Ford. This is upgrading. Yeah. And that's why I go through and I chart wins and losses. He had significantly higher win rate than either Houston or Ford, and he had a significantly lower loss rate. He, he, he impacted the quarterback more. He was better against the run. He is just better. It, it's, it's going from – I won't use, like, the very best wide receiver in the NFL, but it's like going from a good wide receiver to – you know, say like, uh, you know, if, if you put Antonio Brown in that conversation mm-hmm. as one of the best three or four, mm-hmm. it really is doing that. It's going from guys that are top 10 guys, you know, maybe top 12 guys that are in the conversation for that, that are very, very good, to an elite player. Um, does does the, uh, this is like super, I know this is, is going to be touchy and difficult in every level, but does the domestic violence thing from college and then like and everything back in that storyline juxtaposed with what the Chiefs have been a part of over the last six or eight months or whatever, does that add a layer of, maybe, does that surprise you at all? What do you think the mindset is? Me. Doesn't it? It, it? it 
surprises me. I do think Andy Reid is a little more old school in that look. I don't know what happened. You know, I can only deal with what's happening right now kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read the reports. I've read the. Uh, I've read multiple reports as to what happened. I, because I do what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I will always, 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 whether it is for a job in the NFL or whether it's a job as an attorney, whether it's a job hosting radio or a job as a pastor or whatever, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in people do have the right to work. They have a right to use their skills as best they can. Now, if someone screws up royally, fine. But because someone has a past, I don't generally let that impact their present because if I did, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Right, sure. Because there's a lot of people walking around with really, really horrific pasts out there that work in, you know, sports writers. I think they'd probably be surprised what's on the criminal record of some of the people that they work with and work for. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that justifies anything. I'm saying that's where I come from is it's a place of, you know, if, if, if someone's gone for years and they're doing okay and there's only an allegation of an incident as ugly as it looked, I'm I'm willing to give someone a shot to see how they do. So, and to that end, that 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 philosophy checks out for me. It's also a ton of guaranteed money, and it's also if there is a second incident or or whatever after you've given that guy the right to work for your team, that's a horrible look on you. And the Chiefs yeah. had that happen with Kareem Hunt. They we don't know if yep. they're having that happen with Tyree Kill, but like there, you know, there's yep. there's at least like a light on over there. And then you bring in right. Frank Clark. It's an interesting. It's just an interesting thing for an organization to voluntarily do. It it absolutely is, and they're absolutely going to take heat for it, and they have. And so I think they are. They are worshiping at the altar of if we win enough games, no one's going to care mm-hmm. as long as he keeps his nose clean. Yeah. Yep, I think they were, and, and all the all the criticism also fair. That's that's okay. You can criticize the team yeah. for that. I think that's totally reasonable. Um, Absolutely. Now to something uh, that we can definitely all agree on. This is a bad look for Breland Speaks, right? <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see what their plan is for everyone moving forward. I have been operating under the assumption that Alex Okafor is going to start mm-hmm. at at one of the defensive end spots. Mm-hmm. Part of my reasoning even if I went beyond his tape and stuff, and I thought his tape was pretty good, um, is that they paid him three years with $18 million ceiling. Yeah. And so my assumption was that he would start because that's not really backup money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't think everyone's assuming that. I know, you know Matt Miller mentioned to me on Twitter that he thinks it'll be Speaks on the other side from Clark. I have no idea. We'll see. But I, my, my expectation is that this, this is not amazing news for Speaks, that maybe he'll have an opportunity to prove himself as a rotational guy. I personally am all for having guys prove themselves while not playing a huge role yeah. on the team. Yes. Because you, that's what practice is for. That's what limited snaps are for. Then you can show that you can earn more snaps and play well. And in the meantime, the team's not counting on you to help them win games. Right. Uh, okay, so all of that, Frank Clark evaluation there, I know you got to go. So real quick, how does this change what you're looking for, uh, probably not even on Thursday, but on Friday and on Saturday for the Chiefs? What are the, what are the top factors that you're looking for now? I know you've done some reviewing of safeties and corners, which we're not going to have time to get yep. into real deep, but that's got to sure. be circled with the highlighter, right? Yeah, I, I definitely, if I'm them, I'm looking at safeties and corners. Um, if, if a good receiver or tight end drops to them, look there too. 
because I, I mean Clark. There, there's a lot. That's a lot of talent added to the defense. Yeah. And if you really, if you look at the fact that Clark's on there now and they are adding Ty, Tyron Matthew, I really do think that allows them if they get a good enough offensive player drops to them. I think it makes sense to go for it with the questions around Tyreek Hill. Yep. Um, but I'm expecting that they might, you know, look into a second-round corner or safety, someone who drops. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see them package a couple of the picks they have remaining because they still have several picks there in the second and third round. And so it wouldn't surprise to, me if they uh, if they swapped a couple of those together to move up and grab someone. Um, I personally, in terms of guys that have a realistic chance of dropping, I like Rocky Sin. Mm-hmm. I thought I think he looks like he could have a pretty decent ceiling, mm-hmm. especially considering the level at which he's been coached. He's already a pretty refined player considering that, and so that hopefully means he could be coached up to be even better. Seth, I appreciate it. I know that you're amidst uh, pastoral and legal and fatherly duties at literally every moment in your life. So uh, it's always just an absolute joy to get to speak with you about uh, football and also Breland Speaks getting pushed down the roster. (laughs) I think you would enjoy talking about that to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. That's probably true. Thank you, Seth. Yep, take care. Seth Kaiser of The Athletic here. On Sports Radio 810, our Sports Radio 810 Chiefs draft preview special. I'm Joshua Briscoe. That's Seth Kaiser of The Athletic at Real MN Chiefs Fan on Twitter. I'm at JB Briscoe, which is more important to me personally, and alongside Rudy Salazar and Beards McFly. We'll talk a little bit more amongst ourselves about what the Chiefs could be doing in this upcoming draft. Uh, later rounds, what's it going to be? What are they going to be looking? Also, maybe our own thoughts on Frank Clark a little bit here or there. We'll talk about that whenever we come back here on Sports Radio 810. The most powerful sports station in America has a home in Kansas City. This is Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back into Sports Radio 810. This is that Batman-ass music. This is NFL Films music, right, Beards? Beards says yes. Yes. It's but it's. I think of it as James Bond music. It's so Batman-y. It's very Batman. Pow. Yeah. Shark, like old school, obviously. Shark repellent spray. Like Batman Adam music. West, you know. Yes. Walking up, you know, buildings while it's actually just the camera turned sideways. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The gravity is all wrong, but there's a fan yeah. blowing on him. Yeah. It's uh, Sports Radio 810. Hey, we got we got Rudy on the Facebook Live for a second. Turn back to him, Beards. We're on Facebook Live uh, for the show tonight here, and uh, the audio is crappy, but we're doing our best. But hey, at least we look. No, that's not. Well, good. oh, hey, we are. This show is above uh, being um, self-deprecating about our own appearances. My hoodie does have holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> It's Sports Radio 810's NFL Draft Preview Show. It's mostly a Chiefs Draft Preview Show, to be honest. But we can't actually do some, like, overall draft talk if you are so inclined. Um, if, if you want to leave comments on the 810 Facebook page, or you can tweet at Sports Radio 810. I'm at JB Briscoe. Rudy's at Not That Rudy. Beards is at Beards McFly. Um, so I think we should have that conversation there if you'd like uh we'll, we'll take questions we're not taking calls or anything because it's 2019 but uh we'll take your tweets and the facebook comments if you are so inclined if not no worries we'll talk about frank clark a little bit as well um did you see the report since we're in a true nfl draft 
uh, discussion right now. There was a report out today that Dan Snyder has taken over Washington's first round plans. Someone else has uh, from Washington, I think, was saying that report is untrue. Uh, right now, it's it's the week before you know, the draft. Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder, Snyder texted, <laughs> Dan texted Snyder, some reporter. Yes. It's the week before the draft. Everyone's lying to everyone. Um, but, man, if that is a lie, there's no more believable lie than Dan Snyder can't wait to try to go get uh, you any know, quarterback. Do you want to know what my draft lock guarantee of the century is? Yes. The Giants and the Redskins are fighting over Daniel Jones. They're both going to draft and Daniel I Jones. I cannot wait for the feud of the Redskins are trying to get into the top five because they know at six the Giants want Daniel Jones. You know who the Redskins want? It's Daniel Jones. And the Redskins and the Giants are going to give up a fortune for Daniel Jones. Where do the Raiders pick? Four. He might not make it past there, dude. <laughs> they sent all their scouts home because they oh, have man. such an they have such an intense plan in place. They have a super cannot, huge surprise pick. Oh, I cannot wait till yeah, it's just John Gruden's been in love with Daniel Jones this whole time. John Gruden. What happened with John Daniel Gruden Jones? Filmed, How did this happen? John Gruden filmed a special Gruden camp that nobody yes. knows about yet. And then after they draft him, ESPN is going to release it. Like, hey, we've been doing this all along. But it's like kind of romantically lit. Yeah. They're, they're candles. Gruden and Daniel Jones are each having a glass of red wine. While Mark Davis sits in the corner. There's a trail of rose like, petals leading off into the other room there's a, they have one Onto of those, the football field the, oh that's pretty yeah. good Onto we're the just 50. at the 50 yard line there's a bed <laughs> yeah <laughs> no the well I technically been... there is no 69 yard line but if it's, it's 69 <laughs> yards from the end zone from one end no zone. it's just the end zone it's just <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's good. good yeah because that's where you score i have it being i have it being one of those bathtubs that has the divider in the middle that's just sort of like have you seen these this is like a yin yang yeah oh, okay the yeah inter- the internet is a strange place okay i'm gonna google two-person bathtub <laughs> beards make sure that the facebook live camera is not looking at my screen here because, no, not two-person wide. It's like like with a divider. That's a thing, yeah. isn't it? I think I've I, seen I'm this. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Also, what kind of weirdo do you have to be to get a bathtub? That the, the whole point is to be in a bathtub with another person, but also you want a divider between the two. Who is that for? I mean, Germophobes. I think I kind of get that, it. So like, I kind of get it. I want to be with my significant other, but I also kind of want some space. Like... I think you just want to. I think you just bathe alone, and then I don't know. Figure out your business afterwards. Like it's just, that's a very like. I mean, germaphobes is probably the right call, beards, yeah. but it's really weird. That's a really weird plan. Don't shake your head at me silently on an audio medium. It's also visual now. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He just cameras you as he shakes his head. It's great. Waiting for this is. His life. I do like having the switcher. I do think that that's a nice touch because you it can is. because Beards gets to totally change the show for the people watching on Facebook. Where I could be talking about freaking Daniel Jones, and then the camera switches over to Beards, who is just like making gang signs at the camera or whatever. Whatever he does, <laughs> just just waving like a fool. That's very good. What is that on your computer, Beards? Ah. Oh, it's, it's Facebook. Josh! It's Facebook again. This is some sort of inception type thing. It really is. It's high level production here, even though our audio sounds bad today. Yeah. So um, listen, answer do- your question though. The the what like the reason for Daniel Jones? Six five. <laughs> That's 
that's good. That, that's, that's it. That's the reason for Daniel Jones. Six, You're five. right. Um, also, oh, my other like lock of the century. Everybody's been mocking Drew Locke to the Broncos. A lot yeah, of people have. Yeah. No. Second round, Broncos are taking Tyree Jackson. You know why? Six five. He's six seven. Six seven. Oh my god. And he went to if, Buffalo. If the Broncos actually take, there's no way they're not drafting a him. six foot seven quarterback. After only ever drafting six foot something quarterbacks, my head will explode. They're gonna do it, man. I'm oh, telling I you. love that call. I'm telling you, it's happening. They say he has the arm of Patrick Mahomes, but you know. I've heard that that's been going around lately. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine when you're six seven, you probably do have a just a stupid strong arm. My guess is he can't, you know, do it like, from the ground. Yeah, or like the no look pass, yeah. or like you know, just complete it at a high level because he's probably gonna again, he's probably gonna be like a third round pick. But I think the Broncos will jump early and be like, hey, we can't risk it. The idea of He's got Patrick Mahomes' arm. That sounds like either a disease or like an ingredient <laughs> in a witch's stew. It's like, bring me eye of newt, tongue of frog, which is also a newt, I think, and arm of Patrick Mahomes, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Or it's like a Frankenstein thing. Oh, that's pretty and, good. And it's yeah. like, okay, we're, we're going to build like the ultimate NFL quarterback. Yes. Mahomes' oh. arm. ESPN used to always do Cam this. Cam Newton's legs. Okay, are we, are we, are yes. you guys want to build this? You guys want to build Frank and quarterback? Yes, let's do it. Mahomes' arm. Give him yep. both arms. He's going to keep yeah. the balance, well, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, he throws. Your quarterback sometimes just throws with his left arm. That's a great Who point. Who have we seen be better throwing with their off arm than Patrick Mahomes? Right, and it's now if you could give him, like, Mike Vick's left arm. It's different it'd it's be, because it's mad. Because now he's fully going now, back to Newt. He's totally amphibious now. Amphibious? Uh-huh. Like a newt. Is there any current quarterback in the NFL who's lefty? No. Are there I any amphibious one, quarterbacks? Tyler Palco. I think Is he still one, kicking around somewhere? <laughs> I think one guy started a game last year that was a lefty. Yeah. Who, um, I'm trying to but think like at least starting the season, I remember that being a weird yeah, stat. I'm trying to think of who. who I can't even if name. only like, any even of like, us had magical devices to access the internet. I can't even name like a backup quarterback. I think that like there was a guy who started with an injury or something last year that may have, uh, like the, yeah, I mean like the there's got to be like somebody right, like just quite literally just anybody. Even if he's like Isn't the third somebody... quarterback. What were you gonna say, Beards? I feel like there's somebody obvious that we're missing that is left-handed. It, I, I, I'm pretty sure that no Week One starter was a lefty last year. So here's a story from NFL.com. This was from August. Why are there no lefty quarterbacks in the NFL? That word is, there are exactly zero professional passers are left-handed. This was as uh, as of August 13th, though, before the season had actually started. Was that just starting oh my, or like yeah, the whole this depth was before chart? the season? So I think this was just um, exactly zero professional passers are left-handed on NFL rosters. It says here. Yeah. Do you want to know who is a left-handed quarterback that's Here's coming up? Yes, Tua. Tua. Yeah. You know what? I actually think that was it. I actually think that it wasn't that someone else had started. It's that Tua was on the way up. Yeah. So here's a great. You know who the last person to throw a touchdown left-handed was? Oh, I don't think it. anybody okay, so threw a touchdown. Now, this is Ooh. also not say, assuming I, that nobody threw a left-handed touchdown pass in, last 20, year. in the last season because uh, this is before the season started. Okay, well, Tim I'm pissed because I was going to say Tebow, but I bet it's a position player. I bet it was like, uh, hold on. Like Odell Beckham or something. He wanted to be a chief. He wanted to be a chief. Yeah, there was a mention of him. Like he, I, if I remember right, he sent out a tweet saying, "Like you know, like I, I'd look great in that chief's offense." 
when he was so desperately trying to get a job that he never got. You said Odell Beckham, right? Le'Veon Bell? Oh, Kaepernick was, was, a, was Odell Beckham was your guess, all right? Yeah. So that's the position. Um, was Kaepernick a lefty? He's Kaepernick was a righty, but it was, okay. a, re- it was a receiver. Kaepernick's a lefty in my book. A damn <laughs> no good lefty. I mean, he is, you know. Sorry, that was I got something like on my throat. Uh, I don't know. Des Bryant. No kidding. Des Bryant was the last player, assuming nobody threw one in 2019, to throw a touchdown pass left-handed. Wow. Or 2018. If you're not prepared for the NFL draft now, are you ever yeah. going to be? I mean, hey. What else could you ask for? Are there any lefty quarterbacks in this draft? Because we got to get some, man. Uh, I don't think so. I can't think of any. Um, I think I can that, name uh, a six foot seven quarterback. <laughs> you do, yeah, I believe you can. I think Murray is going one. I think uh, I, we were on. I was on Sound Off Sunday Sound Off on forty one last week, and and we were talking about Drew Locke. I think it was nine, ten, eleven, or ten, eleven, twelve. It was like Miami, Denver, and Cincy. Mm-hmm. I don't think Drew Locke can fall past that group, that trio. If he if he even gets that far, yeah. I- the, the the quarterback in this one is going to be it's going to be intriguing. So like one, this is we view this as a pre week quarterback class, but because of the position, because we always of the, say different stuff about the class because of the desperate need though for it. Like like I've seen enough people like say that you know they would own. There's only one court like Kyler Murray's the only quarterback they would give with a first round grade, but because of the desperation of the position. Yeah. You're going to have multiple guys go in the first round. That's just it's just going to happen. And you should. You might yeah, as well. Because it's People, take that uh, chance. Like yes. I'm making fun of the Giants for go, drafting Daniel Jones sixth overall, and I will make fun of them. But at least it's trying. You know, at least it's not a running back at two. I don't think Sam Darnold's going to change the league. But, you but take damn, that I know Saquon's not. Yeah. Now you know I would you know if I if if I'm the Giants and I see like you know I, I I'm by no means a. a uh, draft guru here, and I'm basing this mostly off stats. Shut but up, Dwayne yes, Haskins threw, threw for 5,000 yards and like 50 touchdowns. Running quarterback. Um, yeah, <laughs> running quarterback. He's a running um, quarterback. Well, exactly. You want to pair a running quarterback with your running back. That, you know? Ooh, I love that. And Dwayne Haskins is not a running quarterback. That's just yeah, – did Stephen A. say that Stephen about a. him, Smith I think? Said it and, he, and he's like – Dwayne Haskins is like also like your prototypical like build – as a, as a quarterback, if I remember right, Dwayne, ha- I'm bringing him up right now. I'm pretty sure Dwayne Haskins is like he ran, six, he ran, and he ran for like 14 yards. Yeah, last like D- Dwayne year. Haskins was, is a six three, two hundred thirty pounds. Like he, like yeah, he, he'll he, take that. He's built yeah. like a quarterback for and, sure. And, and now you know I've seen he's got plenty of you know issues with a- your know, accuracy and all this stuff. I expect that you know like guys can have they have faults that get better. I would probably go with that guy though over Daniel Jones, who like had a good year, but like you know he didn't throw for five thousand yards and like fifty touchdowns. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's that complicated. I think that you can say like, "Hey, I'd rather have the more accomplished quarterback," and and but the the guy Daniel Jones, you can like a week ago he was getting talked about with the Patriots at thirty two, like that was the conversation, right? Now we're talking about him at freaking five, but that's the week leading up to the draft. That's the kind of belief that yeah. happens. Yeah, and so I, I'm I'm bringing up Haskins numbers real fast. So Dwayne Haskins last year threw for four thousand eight hundred thirty one yards, fifty touchdowns, eight picks. Daniel Jones threw for 2,674 yards, 22 touchdowns, nine picks. Now, Jones is a three-year starter. Haskins was only a one-year starter. If you're a college football, like if you follow college football, you, everybody knows Dwayne Haskins should have been the start last year. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or two years ago, Urban Meyer is just extremely loyal to his quarterbacks, and he kept JT Barrett because he was a six-year senior. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I, mean, I saw Beard <laughs> reach for his microphone, and I was like, nope, this is mine. I didn't I even think. I honestly Not didn't the think only that, person he's loyal to. I'm very happy I set that up. But, like, yeah, so, like, he stuck with JT Barrett when it, when he clearly, like, 
if they went to Dwayne Haskins, they might have won a title two years ago. So, like, he deserved to be the starter. One more game here. Do you know where Andy Dalton is right now? Purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Dalton is currently just sitting in his house. Just You know what roster he's on? I mean, he's on, he's on the big – wait. I thought that that was over. I thought he had like aged out of the system. He's still on the Bengals yeah, roster. Say, yeah, he's definitely on the Bengals. Because what I was Bengals, thinking, right? first like, of he's all, still their starter. First the of Bengals all, Bengals or Bengals? Bengals. Well, Bengals. Bengals. Yes. What heathen calls them the Bengals? I think I think the problem is to call them the Bengals. I think I think Rudy's talking about them as if they're a piece of gaudy jewelry. How do you say it? The Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, they're Bengals? not the Bengals. See, it my, my, at least damn, in my Andy head, Dalton it doesn't point. sound like I'm saying. But yes, go. Yeah, Andy Dalton was their guy last year until he got hurt. Well, I know, but during the during the end of the season and the off season, the whole talk was like this dude's a freaking dumpster fire. Well, yeah. And also, he kind of is. They could cut him for no dead money. He he was sixteen point two million dollars against the cap. He was for at a si- garbage fire. Yeah, he was that same deal with uh, Colin Kaepernick, where they signed the massive deal at the same time, but essentially had no security in it. Andy Dalton is still starting as a quarterback in the yeah. league, and Colin Kaepernick's not. I wish I was dead. The point, though, on Andy Dalton, because here, by the way, two things I'm going to say that are going to make total sense to you. First of all, I just felt like they were just not going to keep him and that maybe he had moved on. Second of all, if I said, quick, put Andy Dalton in another uniform, what do you do? I, I see him as, a, as an absolutely picture-perfect uh, backup in another team, another uniform. I see him as a starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, that's pretty good. I have him backing up Marcus Mariota as one oh, of the 57 yes, backups Tennessee. that will back up Marcus Mariota. Tennessee's a good Tennessee one. always has the guy that just fell out of the starting yep. job because Mariota's going to miss like six Castle games. They for a while. Like that, that, Tennessee's a good one. Uh, the Bengals need to... Need to draft a quarterback and then free themselves of this Andy Dalton hell. I can like also like weirdly see him backing up, like just in Carolina, like with Cam Noon. Carolina's also like, pretty good. It, it makes no sense, but like that's kind of why I feel like it. it no, I think it, I think it yeah. does work. What also works is our commercial playing system, which we need to test out right now because we need to take a break. We just need to take a break. Period. Said to break. It's so now we're taking a break. It's the uh, Sports Radio 810 NFL Draft Preview Show here on 810. You'll hear the coverage. Um, all sorry. There was a there was a baseball highlight of someone basically falling off of the fence earlier. Marcelo Zuna was falling off the fence, missing a fly ball. It was distracting and really funny. Uh, we got coverage. Every single pick will be here on Sports Radio 810 Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday it's the A Team, Seren, Curtis, Grunny, and uh, Friday it'll be me. And Brad Porter's will be out at the stadium some point, sometime. Uh, but I'll be around. I'll be in here, actually, Friday and Saturday. Every pick here on Sports Radio with Tim. We'll keep talking about that NFL draft whenever we come back. Mac Butteram is at 9. We'll be back after this here on Sports Radio with Tim. Kansas City's hometown sports station. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back again to the Draft Preview Show on Sports Radio 810. I'm Josh Briscoe, hosting with you this evening. Chris Alzar, Beards McFly. A few things and before we get to Matt Verderam of Fanside. We'll go national with him. We'll also talk about the local aspect of it all. Peter Schrager, NFL Network, just tweeted, just now, as if we just asked him. Feeling around the league is that Cincinnati is not in the quarterback market in the first round, especially not at 11th overall. That team is in hell. Just Bengals fans must have been terrible people in a previous life, and this is their punishment. It's legitimately depressing. A little bit ago, Clint, uh, Clayton tweeted in and asked about Drew Locke's landing spot. I think we stumbled into that conversation before I even saw that tweet. 
Um, I like the the. Well, I guess we're just taking the Bengals out of it. Um, but I imagine that he goes in that top 12 range. And uh, if he gets to Denver, they should take him, honestly. Yeah, Denver at 10, Miami's at 13. And then even, again, you throw in the fact that I think New York might be looking at quarterback. The Redskins are at 15, probably going to trade up into the top 12. Like, yeah, I, I I would be shocked. Let's say nobody trades. I'd be shocked if he got past 15 where Washington's at. Over on the uh, Almost Highly Sports page, that's show we usually do, we're cross-posting over there it's to uh, grab that audience, bring it over here to you on Sports Radio 810. Brett asked, does the Clark trade mean that Spags does not like Speaks, a.k.a. is Veach bad at trades and also officially bad at drafting? Um, it's not a good look for Breland Speaks. You heard us talk about that with Seth Kaiser earlier. Um, they not only trade for Frank Clark, they also signed Alex Okafor. I think those are the two best ends on this team. I have... A relatively low opinion on Breland Speaks, personally. No secret on that. Um, he played way out Never of position. Never on the ground. Never on the ground, except for when he is. Uh, he played out of position last year. And that's something that Veach has like brought up recently, which I think is kind of funny because he was drafted and then like forced into this Bob Sutton scheme. Uh, I don't think he has a terribly high ceiling. I'm not sure he has a terribly high floor. So I, I've been pretty pessimistic about that pick since it happened, and nothing has changed my mind on that front since then. He will be more comfortable in uh, Spagnuolo's scheme, but it's not a great look. I don't think that Spagnuolo saw a perfect fit there because I think Frank Clark is, is the ideal fit, like, number one. Um, and outside of that, Alex Okafor might be the next best fit in this scheme. You can look where you can put Agba and, and Speaks at this point. It's kind of a write-off to me. It's other ways, however, like whether it's Okafor or Speaks. Speaks plays over Okafor, you waste money on him. Or right. you waste traffic on Speaks. It's a lose there. Yeah, and and that's that's a problem that they've created for themselves. I don't want to say it's a problem because they have a lot of guys that you can rotate mm-hmm. through. I just don't have very high expectations for Speaks. I don't have very high expectations for Agba or Passigno. More expectations, obviously, tons for Clark. A little bit for uh, Okafor. We'll talk about it all with Matt Verderam of Fansider next here on Sports Radio 810. Follow the Chiefs right here on your home for the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. Sports Radio 810 WHB.